Toddsville Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. John's gospel is centered around seven miracles that the Lord performed. The first was the water made wine. The second was the healing of the nobleman's son. I'm skipping the third right now because that's what I'm going to preach on. But the fourth was creating food, bringing matter into existence. The fifth was walking on the water. The sixth is giving sight to a man that was born blind. And the seventh was raising Lazarus from the dead. And all of those miracles give us some aspect of his salvation. But the third miracle we're going to consider is the miracle in John chapter 5, where there was a man who had been paralyzed for 38 years that he healed. And I think it's very interesting that after this healing, the Jews were angry. And they wanted to kill him because of healing this man. Now, why in the world would that be? I hope we'll have some understanding by the end of this message. Now, we read in John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, and I've entitled this message, The Remedy for Inability. The Remedy for Inability. We read in verse 1, and after this, there was a feast of the Jews. Now, I think it's interesting how John calls it a feast of the Jews. It was given by inspiration of God, but the Jews had uh, turned it around and made it merely a religious ceremony men use. They didn't really understand it, so John calls it a feast of the Jews. There were four different feasts where God required the male Israelite to come to Jerusalem to observe. And we don't know which one of these feasts this was, but the Lord came to Jerusalem to observe this feast in obedience to the law. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, the place where sacrificial animals were sold, a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Now, picture this in your mind. There's an amphitheater with five tiers and a pool in the middle. In these tiers where is where these sick people were. But I love the name Bethesda. It is, means the house of mercy. And there have been hospitals, there have been orphanages, there have been churches named after this word, Bethesda, the house of mercy. And in these five tiers of this uh, amphitheater, 
In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. Blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Four, verse 4, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now there's been a lot of debate over this passage of Scripture whether people just thought this would take place and there they, was wait, they, there they were waiting because of a religious tradition or whether it really happened. But I believe uh, the only safe thing is to take it just as it's stated. Uh, at a certain season, an angel would come down from heaven and trouble the water. And whoever got in first was made whole of whatsoever disease they had. Now, in this, we have a picture provided for us of human nature. Impotent folk who were, who were lame, who were blind, who could not walk. Now, a picture of human nature. What do I mean by human nature? Nature. What is meant by nature? It's the inherent features we are born with. You know, you're born with the DNA of your parents in you, and there's certain things, certain ways you will be because of who your parents are. But the parent I'm talking about is not your biological mom and dad. I'm talking about Adam. Because of Adam, our first father, he Rebelled against God, he became dead in trespasses and sins, and we're born with his sinful nature. You ever wondered why you don't have to teach a child to lie or to be selfish? Because it's natural. It comes natural to them. It's as natural to them as breathing, as uh, their, it's their nature. Why is that? Well, there's only one explanation for that. When Adam ate of the fruit, he died. Now, he didn't die physically. His soul didn't die, but he died spiritually. And he now no longer has a spiritual nature that will love God, that will love men. He is now self-centered. He is now sinful. Now, what is this thing of being spiritually dead? You know, Paul did say, and you have he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. There's two words that describe this. Total depravity and total inability. Now, when we talk about total depravity, that sounds like a very negative, uh, morose thing to even think about. We think about somebody who's out doing dark crimes, and it certainly could include that. But total depravity means that because of Adam's fall, I'm born into this world with every faculty under the dominion of sin. My will's sinful. My affections are sinful. My intellect is sinful. My conscience is sinful. It, is not, it doesn't work right. Every aspect of 
myself. Every man by nature is under the dominion of sin. That's what total depravity means. And, and here's what comes out of total depravity, total inability. That means I cannot love God. That means I cannot believe. I cannot repent because I'm dead. I can't do these things. That, that's, that provides me no excuse, but that's the fact. And what do we have in these people? We have people who are impotent. That means powerless, total inability, impotent. The natural man cannot, cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. Now, these people were impotent, and they're described in three ways, blind, halt, and withered. Blind. You know what that means? That means I can't see God as He is. That means I can't see myself as I am. That means I can't see the gospel as it is. I'm blind. Not only am I blind, the scripture says that these people were halt, lame, unable to walk in the commandments of God. And then they were withered, dried up, without the moisture of life. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now there's something interesting about this particular miracle though. When that angel would come down and trouble the water, who would get in? The one who had the most ability. The one who was the strongest. He's the one who got in quickest. Maybe it was someone who had somebody to help him. Maybe a mother had her baby waiting for the water. And she was in full health. And as soon as she saw that water troubled, she would get in with her baby. And she would have an advantage over everybody else. Here's the point. In this miracle, the strongest were the ones that were blessed. The ones who had the most ability to get into the water. But what about someone who had no ability? Well, let's go on reading and we'll see who that certain someone is. Verse 5, And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. A certain man. And this man, we know the length of his infirmity because verse 14 of the same chapter, the Lord said when he found him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. It appears that some sinful activity had brought this man into this position. Now, the point behind that is not to see someone get sick and say, Well, I wonder what kind of sin they committed that brought all that on. That's foolishness. If I do that, I'm looking at a self-righteous, wrong view. Of, I ought to be looking at myself, not looking at somebody else and thinking, what have they been doing? But what this is to teach us is that our sinfulness is our fault. We can't blame our circumstances. We can't blame God. We can't blame the devil. All my sin is all my fault. I have to take complete responsibility for my sin. You know, not too many people do that. It's always somebody else's fault. It's only those who, by the grace of God, who are enabled to see that their sin is all their fault. Well, this 
certain man. You know, the Lord could have healed everybody there, but he didn't. This is a demonstration of his own sovereignty. There was a certain man. Many great multitudes were there, but this certain man was the one that he healed. Verse 6, verse 5, And a certain man which was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years, when Jesus saw him lie. Now he saw those others, but he saw this man in a special way because this is a man that he was going to do something for. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he'd been now a long time in that case, 38 years, that would be the equivalent of 1985 in our year. What all has happened in your life since 1985? That's a long time that he'd been in that case and the Lord saw it, and he asks him this question, Wilt thou be made whole? What a question. Are you willing to be made whole? Now, he didn't say, do you want to go to heaven when you die? He said, do you want to be made whole? Whole. Are you willing to be made? Don't miss that. To be made. That's something I do for you. Salvation is what God does for the sinner. It's not a cooperative effort between God and the sinner. It's what God does. It's what Jesus Christ does. Are you willing to be made? He's made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. If God saves you, he makes you something. He makes you something you were not before. He makes you something. Art thou willing to be made whole, complete? Are you willing... To be made whole. What a simple question. Now listen to me. My only hope of being saved is the Lord saving me. Him doing it all. Him making me whole. If he saves me, I'm saved. And my only hope of being made whole is if the Lord makes me whole. I have some understanding of what that leper understood. In Matthew chapter 8 when we read, Behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, this leper knew who he was. He knew he was the Lord. Now, anybody know, who knows who Christ is, this they're dead sure of. He's the Lord. He's the Lord. That means he's the one who's in control. He's in control of everything. I mean, you can't take that too far. He's the Lord. This leper came and he worshipped him. He worshipped him for who he was. He didn't know whether the Lord was going to heal him. And he certainly didn't think he deserved to be healed, but he knew who the Lord was. And he worshipped him for who he was. The Lord is worthy of worship whether he does anything for me or not. As a matter of fact, if he leaves me to myself and lets me go to hell, he's still worthy of worship. He is the divine Lord. This leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will. He acknowledged 
It's up to you. It's not up to me. It's up to you. If you will, you can. You have the ability. I don't have any ability. You have all ability. Lord, he's to be worshipped. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He came for the right thing, and he knew only the Lord could do it. Make me clean. That's very much the same question the Lord asked this man. Will thou be made whole? And I love the Lord's answer to that leper. Immediately, he was made clean. The Lord said, I will. The Lord said, if you will, you can. The Lord said, I will. And he says, I will to everyone who comes to him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He said, I will. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now, the impotent man answered, verse 7, after the Lord said, Wilt thou be made whole? The man didn't understand a word the Lord said because we see that from his answer. The impotent man answered and said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Now, the Lord didn't say, Are you able to get in? Uh, this man, all he heard was, I don't have any way of getting in. He did not give the appropriate answer to the Lord's question, which could have been answered with a yes or no. He says, I don't have anybody to get me in. I'm in this rut and I can't get out of it. There's nothing I can do. While I'm coming, another steps over me who's stronger. Perhaps he was a paraplegic and tried, would use his arms to try to pull himself in the pool. And somebody stronger than him would walk right past him and get in the pool. And there he was. I have nobody to help me. All this man heard was, I can't do it. I don't have the strength. But that's not what the Lord said. He didn't say, do you have a man to help you? He didn't say, do you have the strength? He said, will thou be made whole? Well, the man didn't understand the question. And then we read in verse 8, Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed. And walk. Now I entitled this message. The remedy for inability. Here it is. Omnipotence. The Lord says with the voice of God. The voice that raises the dead. Rise. Take up thy bed. And walk. Now he'd said this before. I want to read a passage from Mark chapter 2. And again he entered into the to Capernaum. After some days and it was noise that he was in the house. And straight away many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, there was such a crowd in there, nobody else could get in the room. What did they do? They climbed up on the roof. I love to think of this. They uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Picture that in your mind. The people listening, all of a sudden the ceiling breaks open, and they lower down on ropes a man sick of the palsy, a, a paralytic man. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven. 
be. Jesus Christ has the authority to forgive sins. You hear that? If he wills, he can forgive you of all your sins. Now, it's up to him. You know, if somebody um, says to you, it's your responsibility for, to forgive me, you're not going to have a very good response to that, will you? If they come like that. But if somebody says, would you be pleased to forgive me? I know you don't have to. It's up to you. But would you please be forgive me? You're going to be much more moved to forgive that person. Well, the Lord says to this man, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts, why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? That's the truth. He's the only one who can forgive sins. They got that right. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk? What's easier? For me to say your sins are forgiven, or to tell someone who's a, who is paralyzed, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? Why, it's a lot easier to say your sins are forgiven, because you can't see whether or not they are. It's a lot harder to say to somebody that's completely paralyzed, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know how that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of palsy, I say unto thee. Same thing he said to this man in John 5. Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine own house. <clears throat> Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now this is the voice of authority. This is the voice of omnipotence. The same voice that would later say, Lazarus, come forth. Could Lazarus have said no? <laughs> Absolutely not. He that was dead came forth. This is the voice of irresistible grace, divine omnipotence. Now, what did this man do when the Lord said, rise, take up your bed and walk? Verse 9, and immediately the man was made whole. Remember, that's what the Lord asked him. Wilt thou be made whole? Immediately the man was made whole and he took up his bed and walked and the same day was the Sabbath. Now, notice the order. He was made whole. He took up his bed and he walked. He didn't walk before he was made whole. He didn't take up his bed before he was made whole. He was first made whole. Now, in this thing of salvation, the order is of critical importance. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, He saved us and He called us. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace which were given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. What came first, the saving or the calling? The saving. He saved us. Completely saved us. Everybody he saved was saved before they had any consciousness of it. When he said, it is finished, all of God's elect were saved. He saved us and he called us with a holy calling. This man was made whole. And what did he do? He got up, picked up his bed, completely healed. 
and walked. Immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And we have this interesting detail. And the same day was the Sabbath. Now remember, the Sabbath was the day you're not supposed to work. And the Jews had made a work out of not working. They didn't have any understanding of the Sabbath. And all they saw was the letter of the law. You shouldn't pick up your bed. You shouldn't walk. And they saw after this miracle. Now they're already mad at the Lord. And they were looking to find fault. They got mad at him when he drove the money changers out of the temple uh, previously. And they said, who gave you the right to do this? And they're already mad. They're looking to find fault with him. And when they see he heals this man on the Sabbath, they're ready to criticize. So they say to this man, the Jews therefore said unto him who was cured, it's the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. Have you ever thought about how ridiculous that is? This man gets up on the Sabbath day having been healed by Christ and they're all upset about him breaking the Sabbath. They didn't know what the Sabbath was. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. That's the only reason I need. He told me to do it. And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. And afterwards, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more. Now the call of the gospel is God has saved you. It's not now it's okay to sin since salvation is by grace. You're in good shape. Don't worry about it. No, the command of the gospel, just like he said to that woman taken in adultery that he did not condemn and save. He said, uh, hath no man condemned thee? No man, Lord, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And that's what he said to this man. I love that exhortation. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. Then the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. Now here is my confession of faith. Here's everything that I believe. The Lord Jesus is the one who saved me and made me whole. You know, I hear religious people, they say, I got saved. You know, there's something wrong with that kind of language. I didn't get saved. The Lord saved me. The Lord made me whole. That salvation, what the Lord does for you. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. They actually wanted to murder the Lord over this. And here's why. You think, were these just extra bad people? No, they're people like you and I are. We naturally have a religion that we think is going to save us, the things we do. And when we hear the gospel, we find out those things count for nothing. They thought their Sabbath keeping was going to save them. And they found out there's no salvation in that. Their hope is taken away, so they're angry with the Lord. And they actually want to slay him. And I love in verse 17 where he replies to them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. My father's working here on the Sabbath day, and I am too because I'm one with him. He's my father. Whatsoever the father does, the son does likewise. Now we have this message. If you get on the web, church website, you can get a copy or or write or email the church or call. This is Todd Knopper praying God will be pleased to make himself known to you. That's our prayer. Amen.
To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen. 